Last time we looked at the fact that Boaz had been extremely generous to Ruth. Going beyond what the law required, particularly when it comes to foreigners. Boaz is a man that strikes me as somebody that had uh, the heart of God on his mind. And so Ruth, or Boaz was very generous. He gave her food, he fed her, he provided an opportunity for her to glean in the field beyond what the law required, and he was going over the top. And we talked about our own lives, how we should be generous, going over the top to help others and to help them in times of, of trouble. Remember, we're talking here with Boaz and Ruth. We're talking about not a handout, but a hand up. Sometimes giving just handouts won't help people uh, own up on their end and, and their own responsibility. And then we talked about working hard. Ruth immediately, as she got up from the, from the lunch, she got up and she started to go out. And Boaz said, let her go basically wherever she wants to go. She worked till evening, and then she finished sometime, well, probably when the sun went down. So she worked hard, but then she also gave back to her mother-in-law. So in a, in a sense, when we have been the recipients of a blessing, it is also our opportunity at times in our lives when we have the ability and the means that we give back to what we have been given. It's called... It's called responding to God's grace. And I think um, I've been so impressed. I, I, I've preached through Ruth before, but I've been so impressed as I've gone back and studied this again. I've been so impressed by Boaz. He was a man after God's own heart with his workers, with Ruth, just super impressed with him. Now, today we're going to learn that God is good. All of us know this. God is good and he... Starts with the blessings in verse 19. And her mother-in-law said to her, this is in verse 19 of chapter 2, where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Let me put it this way. If I could maybe paraphrase it. Where did you work today? Who, where, where were you? How did you get there? And here's, here's the issue. Remember, she had taken all the gleanings that she had, plus the bundles, and she had beaten them probably with a stick. This is the thresh, the thresh floor where they, would, where they would thresh out the, the, uh, the stalks and they would turn it into grain and they'd use the winnowing forks and, and all of that. Um, but what happened was when Ruth returned with an ephah of grain, which was considerable, and I think last time I showed you it was probably like this, about 10 times that amount. That's a lot of food. Scholars sometimes argue that it was more than that. But can you imagine Ruth coming home with a sack and Naomi goes, where did you work today? Wow! Because Naomi knew that that was several days of food that she had been given by her daughter-in-law. And that's, so when you read this, you go, well, where did you work today? Where did you glean today? Where did you work today? That's not the case. The case is, in the Hebrew, she's excited. She sees this food, and she goes, wow. I remember years ago when Audrey worked at a, uh, for uh, somebody in the Ohio area. 
she came home about, oh, maybe a week and a half before Christmas, and she had been given a bonus by her boss. I remember this like maybe 10 days before Christmas. It was $2,500. When she walked in, I went, wow, yeah, I like that. 20, wow, who gave you that? She said, my, my boss gave it to me. 20, and that's a lot of money. This was a lot for them. Now remember, Ruth and Naomi have very little. You think about it. This was a big deal to Naomi. She won't go to bed hungry. And I think in our own lives, we have been spoiled by what we have. We have been spoiled because, you know, we're worried if our iPhone breaks down or if our iPad busts or we can't get our Starbucks uh, card to work. We get excited about that. But brothers and sisters, there's people in our country today that don't even have food. And so we've got to remember, wow, we've got food to eat. And we start praising him and blessing him. Oh, and by the way, <laughs> that's exactly what Naomi does. Watch this. Blessed be the man who took notice of you. That word blessed, Beirach, means to speak and invoke divine favor. It is also carries the idea of the praise of Yahweh. When was the last time you said, Blessed be the Lord who has given me an abundance? I mean, you say, you say well, Pastor, I don't have a lot. But what you have, you've been given by God. And it's a good time to praise him and bless his name and thank him for what he's done for us. He's done a lot for us. You realize that. God has done a lot for us. Not only at Calvary, it extends beyond Calvary. Yes, Jesus died on the cross, paid for our sins. But beyond that, everything that we get in life is a blessing from him. So maybe it's a good time to think about, as we live our lives, whenever those blessings come into our lives, to praise him. And it's easy to forget, isn't it? It's easy to forget that, you know, God has blessed us. I want to remind the church today that everything that you have, everything that you hope to be, is by the grace of God. And it's very, very important. You know, this doesn't quite sound like Naomi. Do you remember back in chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, she says, Do not call me Naomi, call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. I went away full. That's with her family and everybody intact. And the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity on me? She goes to Moab to escape famine. She loses her husband, her two sons. She's devastated. And then she starts coming back. One of the daughters, Orpah, decides that she'll go back and there's nothing wrong with going back. But God puts Ruth right with her. So as they are making their way back, Ruth is a bitter woman, particularly when she goes into Bethlehem. Wait a minute. This is not the same Naomi of chapter 1. Do you see something happening here? Naomi is starting to get 
back with God. Okay, I'm, I'm going to go back. I'm going to show you a picture. And when it pops up, I want you to tell me what you see. Just I'm going to give you three seconds. How many of you see an old woman in this picture? Donald? Leah? How, who? What else do you see? A young woman? How many of you see a young woman? That's your perspective. And so this is a great illustration. The first time I saw it, I saw an old woman, and then I looked and saw the young lady. I want you to understand, Naomi's perspective is now changing. Do you remember when she came back? God has dealt bitterly with me. Why did he allow this? Why did this happen? I, I don't know what I did, but God is definitely judging me. And now as time has gone by, she's starting to connect the dots that, wait a minute, maybe God is in control of my life. Brothers and sisters, there are going to be times in your life when you're going to be exactly what Naomi was in chapter 1. Why is God doing this to me? Why is God allowing this to happen in my life? Here's the one thing that helps me keep my sanity. I know that God is in charge. And there's nothing that can happen to you, and there's nothing that can happen to me that God hasn't already set out on our course to happen. I will also tell you this, too. If you're going through a hard time today, I can tell you that better days are ahead. The Christian life is lived. You're either going into a trial, you're in a trial, or you're coming out of a trial. I've heard people say, well, I want to be on the mountaintop all the time. I want to be where the sun is shining all the time. I'll, I'll tell you what I heard a preacher say one time. All sun and no rain makes a desert. Yeah. You have to go through troubles. Jesus himself said we're going to go through troubles in this life. And also, guess what? The rain falls on the just and the unjust. Things happen to us. It is not the time to start blaming God. You know what it's time to do? which Naomi did not do until God kind of put it together for her, and she saw, the, she saw what was happening. And it's revealed in this text, too, by the way. Um, when she starts seeing this, she goes, oh, wait a minute, maybe my perspective of God was wrong. Stuff happens to us, brothers and sisters, and the question is, how do we respond to God? Uh, the best way to respond to God is to say, you can tell God, you can tell God your hurts. But what is not okay is to blame God for what's going on in your life. And I'll tell you this. I think this is true, and I think it's important. God inhabits the praise of his people. And so we, you know, when we go through tough times, we got to realize that that's, that's, a, that's a perspective issue. Naomi's perspective has now changed, and it, it, it hits all of us. I, I get it. It even happens to me. Sometimes I have to take a step back and go, wait a minute. I see the young lady. I don't see the sour old woman. We've got to get our perspective right. And you know what I'm seeing here? I'm seeing Naomi now turning back to God, and it's, it's really, really wonderful. So, as we go on in verse 19... So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man's, the man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. 
So now the name's out. Naomi's response. You notice Naomi's dominating here a little bit in the, in the conversation. And Naomi says, right after this, after Ruth told him the name of the man that is filled that I worked in today was Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, boy, she's throwing that blessing around a lot nowadays, isn't she? May he be blessed by Yahweh. Yahweh is the covenant name for God. It's Barak again, which is the word invoking divine favor upon somebody, but also at the same time worshiping God. See, I think in Naomi's mind, I think in Naomi's mind, she is starting to see that Ruth, and you remember we studied that word happened, that Ruth just happened to land in that field. And so I think Naomi's going, um, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. God directed her to that field. I think she's getting this. And so she's asking for another blessing. One of the commentaries said, yeah, she's used that word several times now, blessing and blessed, because I think she's getting it. Now, it says, blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. John Reed notes this, and I think it's, it's beautiful, it's simple. Her night of sorrow with its fog of depression had broken into the dawning of a new day of joy. Let me tell us this morning, church, Night only lasts for a little while. Hardships only last for a little while. And then God brings you out of them. And beautifully stated here. Sorrow with its fog of depression had broken into the dawning of a new day. This word kindness is the same word in Hebrew, we use for the word hesed. Do you know what hesed is connected with? Hesed is always connected with God. It is the loyal love of God. And this is what's mentioned here. By the Lord whose kindness. This is the Lord, not Boaz. By the Lord's kindness, the hesed love of God. And what this does is it strikes at the very fabric and heart of God that God is love and by the way we've heard that in the New Testament too when John says God is love and in him there is no darkness this is God this is the same God that we worship in the New Testament it's the same God of the Old Testament and he says whose kindness has not forsaken us in Exodus 34 6 and 7 then the Lord passed in front of him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in kindness, the hesedness of God and truth, who keeps his loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquities, transgressions and sins. And yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. Here we have the duality of God. On one end, 
and sometimes we get fixated on it, particularly when it comes to unbelievers, is the idea that God will judge sin. That is absolutely true. God will not let the guilty go unpunished. That is absolutely true. But what we don't talk about enough is this part. God is gracious. He is forgiving. Do you know how much sin God has forgiven you and me of? Tons. Thankfully, Jesus Christ went to the cross to pay for our sins in full. And when we turn our lives to him, we experience the Hesed love of God. Yeah. I also like what Daniel Block says. As noted in the introduction, which I read, this is one of the key theological expressions in the book. It wraps up in itself an entire cluster of concepts. Love, mercy, grace, kindness, goodness, benevolence, loyalty, and covenant faithfulness in the one word, hesed. And Daniel Block is absolutely right. One word, the hesed love of God. Times in your life when you need love, he's there. Times in your life when you need mercy, he's there. Times in your life when you need grace, he's there. God will stick by you closer than any human friend. I want you to be reminded of that. Though the world be falling down around you, there's one person you can cling to in the midst of a storm, and that is Jesus Christ. Wow. And now she goes on to say, whose kindness has not forsaken Azov, Azov, to abandon. But he says here, whose kindness has not abandoned the living or the dead. What does she mean by the living or the dead? Well, the living would be Ruth and Naomi. The dead would be her husband and her two sons that died. Wait a minute, Pastor, didn't you say that they were kind of sketchy, they weren't following God? That's true. But I can tell you from this that even God's hesed love applies to them because he's going to do something miraculous here. By the way, I want to remind us all who Ruth is. Ruth is the great-grandmother of King David. And God says, I will establish the throne of David forever. What we have going on here is not only a simple little story, but what we have going on here is the line of Jesus and God's promise to King David. And David did have some problems, but I tell you what, God loved David. He was a man after God's own heart, even in the midst of some problems that he encountered in his own personal life. So here we have... Here we have a God who is not only kind to the living, but he's kind to the dead. Then Naomi said, this is verse 20, Then Naomi said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. There's a couple of notes here. You catch the language. Do you remember when I talked about integration? Ruth is being integrated into Israel. Listen to this. Naomi said to her, The man is a close relative of ours. I believe in my heart that Naomi now sees Ruth as her daughter. 
She is now including her in the family. A Moabite, an outsider, who worshipped Chemosh, the god, who lived in Moab. And this woman says, I'm going to follow Naomi. And Boaz says, you have come to a land that you did not know and a people that you do not know. And that struck Boaz. He said, this is a woman of confidence or faith, excuse me, faith. This is a woman of great faith. It reminds me of when Jesus once said, I marvel at your faith. Mm. Yeah, Ruth's a good girl too. And she said, this man is a close relative, one of our redeemers. Two words here for redeemer. It can mean pada. It may not mean much to you, but pada to me means that it is a, uh, you buy back the firstborn with an animal sacrifice. But it can also mean gaal. And gaal is a legal term for this. The redeemer is someone who is financially responsible for another family member. Naomi goes, wow. This guy, Boaz, is a family member who is one of our redeemers, one who will be financially responsible. Isn't it like God? Isn't it like God to when we are at the last notch in the rope, God sends deliverance? Here you have two women excited about some bushel of barley and and wheat. And now God says, wait a minute, I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. When Ruth says, I worked in the field of Boaz, she went, bing. That man is one of our redeemers. Now, you may ask the question, and I'm sure you're sitting there asking the question, what are the aspects of a redeemer? There's five of them. The first one is to keep property in the family. If a person would die, the, the, the kin, kinsman redeemer would make sure that that property stayed in the family. A second thing that a kinsman redeemer did was to execute murderers of near relatives. What does that mean? That means this. If you had a family member that was murdered by somebody, the kinsman redeemer, the, the kinsman redeemer would go and search out the one who murdered your family member and have him executed. You could say they were at sometimes bounty hunters. They would go out and get people to execute judgment. Thirdly, to ensure justice in lawsuits involving relatives. So you have, uh, you have somebody that's being sued. The kinsman redeemer would say, I'm going to make sure that this is fair. And they would go on your, listen to this, listen to this. This is all on behalf of a family member. Number four, to recoup money for, for victims. 
a family was uh, wrongfully had their money lost and, or something happened to them, maybe a, 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 an ox that they had was stolen, then they would go and they would get the money back and replace it for victims. Number five. Number five. To buy back those in slavery and or those in poverty. Isn't this where Ruth falls right here? Poverty. When I think about the kinsman redeemer, you know who I think about naturally? Jesus Christ. Do you know that you were bought with a price? He paid for your sins in full on the cross and redeemed you from all of your sin and bought you back and brings you into the kingdom of God. That's one of the five aspects of a kinsman redeemer. Yeshua. Yeshua is our kinsman redeemer. We also learned that he is also our advocate with the Father. He speaks in our behalf. That is a kinsman redeemer. Brothers and sisters, we can be very grateful this morning that Jesus Christ is on the throne speaking in our behalf to the Father. Wow. So Boaz is kind of a, I don't want to attribute more to him than is due, but he is a picture of what, what Yeshua would, would do when he, when he would come. The Lord, Jesus Christ. Not only is God good, but God protects us. And we notice the parameters here in verse 21. And Ruth... This is interesting. <laughs> and Ruth the Moabite um, said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep, this is Ruth speaking, You shall keep close to my young men until they have finished the harvest. So Boaz told Ruth, I want you to stay close and I want you to keep your eyes fixed in this field. You see here, there are parameters being set. There is a parameter being set. Boaz is saying, I want you to work in this field and don't go anywhere else. In fact, he does say that. He says, I want you to stay close, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless you as you stay close. And you know what? I started thinking about the Bible. And I started thinking about God. You know, God sets parameters for us. That means... Um, he gives us an area in which we live for him. And when we go outside of that area, we get into trouble. And I thought about uh, Psalm 119.30. I have chosen the way of truth. I have set my heart on your laws. You want to know what your parameters are? This is your parameters. The word of God. When God says... Do it. Our response is we do it. We just be obedient to him. 
God has set standards. And I, people say, well, that's so hard. Well, yeah, it's hard. You know, when God gives us parameters, it's for our own good. It's not for God to say, well, I'm going to take all their joy away. Actually, I would say that when you are living within the parameters, you will have much more joy than you do living outside the parameters. So that's a good, that's a good verse for all of us to remember. I have chosen the way of truth. I have set my heart on your laws. God does that, and Boaz had set it for her so that she could receive a blessing. This leads to obedience. It's verse 21, now we're going to 22 and 23. And Naomi said to Ruth, now listen to this, Ruth had just said, Boaz told me to stay close to the young men. Listen to the transition here. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, other places she calls her her daughter, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. Here's some motherly advice from Naomi. I think she's heading, trying to head off any romantic ideas from Ruth. Simple transition, just a simple little shift. But Ruth had just said, Boaz told me to stay close to the young men. The mother-in-law says, yeah, it's good that you go out and stay with his young women. Good motherly advice. By the way, young men, you always treat women with respect. You treat them with respect. That's what the Bible wants from us. And that's another parameter set down. And young ladies, you live for him. So I think she's trying to head off any romantic activity. Now, she also says right after that, stick close with the young women lest you be assaulted. Paga. Paga. And paga means to fall upon attack or to abuse. I like what Hubbard said in his commentary. Naomi probably had in mind a minor verbal and physical abuse. Racial inserts or insults. Hey, Moabite, what are you doing here? You're not like us. Get out of here. Or possibly injurious shoving. Get out of here. You're not, a, you're not an Israelite. You shouldn't be over here picking up these stocks. Now, if Boaz caught wind of that, they'd be done. I'm convinced. Remember, Boaz set forth the first sexual harassment policy in the Bible. Possibly injure a shoving. If so, she shared Boaz's concern for Ruth's well-being, but with an eye especially on her safety. So Ruth now has two people looking out for her. Naomi, her mother-in-law, and Boaz, her kinsman redeemer. Hmm. This is Neuswanstein in Germany. Um, several years ago... Yeah, several years ago, 
we had the opportunity when I was serving in Germany in the army to go to Neuschwanstein. Beautiful castle. It takes a little while to get up because you have to walk up to it. And you can see it and you go, wow, that's majestic. And it did take us a while to get up there. But one thing that struck me even then was this. The name of the Lord is a strong fortress. The godly run to him and are safe. You want to stay safe, brothers and sisters? You run to Yahweh. Those that seek shelter under his wings shall run and not grow weary. They shall soar because they are in the shadow of the Almighty. Our hope is not in this world. Our hope and our steadfast assurance and our safety comes from the Lord. Don't trust in men. Men will fail you, and they will let you down every time. Even close friends will fail you, but I'll tell you somebody that will never fail you, and that is the Lord. He will not let you down. So, Naomi says to Ruth, it's good that you stay with the young women. So look at what happens. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, Gleaning until the end of barley and wheat harvest, which March to May type frame, uh, time, time frame would, would be accurate, probably closer to the end of May. And she lived with her mother-in-law. Ruth was obedient. Parameters were set and Ruth obeyed. Three things. Three things I want us to close with. Number one, God is good. Praise him. Isn't God good? God is so good to us. Let's offer praise to him this week. God is faithful to us. Always. God is faithful to us. Always and at all times. And number three, God protects us. So be obedient. 